Hey guys, Leah Pika here. Today's guests are best known for transforming Google Analytics groupies into insanely skilled measure rock stars. Stay tuned to find out who's taking the stage at the Present Beyond Measure Show, episode 22. Welcome to the Present Beyond Measure Show, a podcast at the intersection of analytics, data visualization, and presentation awesomeness. You'll learn the best tips, tools, and techniques for creating analytics visualizations and presentations that inspire data-driven decisions and move you forward. If you're ready to get your insights understood and acted upon, you're in the right place. And now your host, Leah Pika. Hey guys, and welcome to the 22nd episode of Present Beyond Measure. Feels so good to be back in the swing of things after such a blazing hot summer, which is continuing. I actually just got back from the Search Discovery semi-annual all-hands on-site retreat in Atlanta, and I'm actually still nursing my burns from running the human wheelbarrow during a field day competition during our retreat on Lake Lanier. I definitely face-planted in face-melting Mad Max-level hot (laughs) sand, and uh, I still didn't win the ice cream machine. Man! So I'm super excited about my two guests today. I've been having lots of pairs of guests on the show. It's so great. They're actually the brain trust behind one of my absolute favorite Google Analytics blogs, which has saved my web analyst, you know what, more than once. (laughs) And they were gracious enough to come on the show and share all their knowledge about training savvy audiences, educating lay audiences, and the effective use of data within large enterprises. Let's hop to it. everyone. I'm so thrilled to introduce today's two guests. Faraz Alhu is president of Enor Inc., which he co-founded in 2003. He is passionate about improving his clients' ROI and has led organizations to implement and launch successful internet marketing and analytics strategies for the company's very diversified client base. He has an insane stable of analytics qualifications and has traveled the globe educating businesses and consultants on the subject of search marketing, online marketing, and web analytics. He's also a certified web analyst, a co-chair of the San Francisco Bay Area chapter of the Digital Analytics Association, and serves on their examination subcommittee. And Eric Fetman is the principal trainer of Google Analytics and Google Tag Manager for Enor. He's led the development of one of the top rated training programs in this industry. He's a developer of GoogleAnalyticsTest.com. It's a community learning site where more than 50,000 tests have been completed, and it's been featured on the Site Visibility Internet Marketing Podcast and is widely recognized as a leading resource for GA individual qualification prep. And together, they are releasing a brand new book on winning the GA game called Google Analytics Breakthrough from Zero to Business Impact. It is a massively thorough and actionable guide to maximizing the value from the world's most ubiquitous analytics platform, and it debuts this September on Amazon. Please help me welcome Faris Alhu and Eric Fetman. Thank you so much, Leo. We're happy and glad to be on this podcast. <laughs> I'm thrilled to have you. So I love to hear a good origin story. Talk a little bit about the path that led you guys to found Enor and, and what the company's mission is. Absolutely. I'm out of the Salkin Valley. and Back in 2003, I was in a high-tech startup um, raised a lot of money at that time, was part of the management team and, and is uh, building an amazing voice over IP product. But the company ran out of cash, major layoff took place. 
company shut down. You know, typical Silicon Valley story. Uh, but you know, it was uh, a blessing in disguise. Where you know, most of the time, and maybe practitioners and other consultants, you know, when when is it the right time to to start my my own business? So so that led to 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 get in for us to get into this web marketing space. And there wasn't a whole lot of digital analytics at that time, but we fell in love with this data uh, side of it and, and presenting data to, to business owners. Okay. Yeah. Eric, do you have any perspective on the story that led you to Enor? Sure, I can relate the story of how Ferris and I actually met, which is going on five years ago at this point. <laughs> there was the Gage conference, the Google Analytics users great event conference in New York. It was in October of 2011. And Ferris was a presenter there. And I had come there because I had developed Google Analytics tests at that point. I I actually, I don't think I had released Google Analytics tests, but I was getting much deeper into GA and I wanted to connect with people in the industry. So I think we were at lunch together one day. And Ferris reminded me that I handed him a very busy business card, <laughs> which kind of goes against my presentation philosophy now. But I did try to cram a lot hmm. onto the business card in terms of how you actually use Google Analytics tests. So it was a business card with a whole procedure. Mm-hmm. And we met and we stayed connected and worked together a little bit in different capacities over about the next year and a half. Mm-hmm. And then we started working on training the Google Analytics training program more formally, more formally together. Enor already had a well-developed training program, but we started working on that together, building that up, GA, GTM. And that is how I came into Enor and fully into the world of Google Analytics and analytics and optimization. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned just now uh, your current presentation philosophy. I would love to learn a little bit more about what that is because you present complex information all day, albeit it's the flip side of the coin from the stakeholders, which is normally what the show talks about. But this is actually towards the practitioners. So can you speak a little bit to the journey that your presentation philosophy has taken throughout the years? Well, I think my presentation philosophy is within the context of my training philosophy Mm -hmm. because most of the presentation I do is within a training environment. And I think my evolution in presentation and training style has gone from more to less in the sense of trying to really focus on a message and also moving away from text and more towards key visuals. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of us, I do read a lot of industry books, analytics, marketing. And about a year and a half ago, I read Presentation Zen by mm-hmm. Gar Reynolds. And that sometimes I'll read a book, I'll put it down. And two days later, it's hard to remember anything in the book that I read. <laughs> I think we've all had that experience as well. Sure. Presentation Zen really spoke to me. And I think that the core message of really trying to present information in a succinct and visual way had an impact on my own 
endeavors in mm-hmm. being a better presenter and a better trainer. So that is one of the principles of simplification of visual as opposed to too much verbal that I try to strive for in instruction and in presentation. Now, on the instruction end of things, of course, you do need technical discussions for procedures and so forth, but that can be a supplement. In the digital world that we live in, we don't necessarily have to master every last technical detail of anything. Mm -hmm. We have to know the importance of things. We have to know the, the, understand the, the, the big picture, the large elements of everything that we are, are trying to achieve and understand that additional resources do exist for the lower level things that we need to accomplish. So that's, I think I, I used to try to go in and make sure to really emphasize every lower, lower level detail. And I think that over the years, my, I've, I've moved a little bit up to a higher level presentation Mm -hmm. and reassuring listeners and students that the technical details are always accessible where you need them, when you need them, and that we're always available to, to help you as well. Right. You know, it's so funny that you mentioned Presentation Zen and Gar Reynolds. I credit that book for the same sort of completely uh, watershed moment that told me that there was a, a more simple visual way to present information. And I'm super excited because he's actually going to be a guest in two episodes from now. I had the honor of interviewing him as well. And it's it's so amazing to hear the impact that that simple book <laughs> had on, on so many people's presentation philosophies. So that's that's great to hear. Absolutely. Um, so um, what kinds of the topics that you educate practitioners on with your training? Most of the training that we do is focused on Google Analytics and Google Tag Manager. We are also incorporating into our Enor Analytics University mobile app tracking, including Firebase and BigQuery training. Mm -hmm. We, We do have, we are fortunate to have a great team with diverse skills so we can collectively produce training on a wide variety of topics that go beyond the kind of nuts and bolts, Google Analytics and Google Tag Manager. Mm -hmm. But within Google Analytics, Google Tag Manager, we basically break our training down into implementation, which is the code level instrumentation of capturing your data in a comprehensive way. And also within implementation, we do cover many configuration topics such as configuring goals, customizing channel groupings, your acquisition channel groupings, and so forth. Mm -hmm. And then the other half of the training is really taking the most advantage of the interface and going beyond the default presentation in the interface to make sure that your data is speaking to you and also to others in your organization, Mm -hmm. clients, any stakeholders to make sure that that data is speaking to you in the most actionable way. So using segmentation instead of looking at all of your data in aggregate, using custom reports when a custom report can convey your data in a more succinct and focused way than a built-in report, 
using, for instance, something simple like just switching the table display over to the comparison display Mm -hmm. where you can chart one metric against the site average. So you could really focus on a specific metric. An example that I sometimes use in training is if you're speaking to your landing page designer and you want to highlight pages that have a high bounce, don't just show the landing pages report with nine metrics in the table seven or eight of which may not be relevant, just switch (laughs) over to the comparison view and visually chart the one metric that you're really trying to generate Mm. an impact for. Right. And also um, what I find helpful is to actually show the landing pages or show the experience to help put context around the particular numbers. Um, But that's, that's fantastic advice. And actually that kind of dovetails into one of my questions, which was, you know, even when you're presenting this, this is very complex information, you know, the implementation, especially as it relates to Google Tag Manager. What do you find most challenging about presenting these complex concepts, even to a practitioner audience and and other examples you have for helping with that? You you have to pause and, and, and really understand the audience. So, you know, we all, we're all in, in marketing, we know about personas, and, but you know, when we're presenting, I think we're in, in, in you know, that, that curse of knowledge, we know this stuff really well. So we start dropping even on, on calls and in, in presentation and training, we start dropping things like custom dimensions and attributes <laughs> and, 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 you know, conversion rates, I mean, bounce rates. So, so, so some of it is common knowledge these days, but you know, you, you say EVARs and SPROFs, or, <laughs> I mean, you're, these poor folks are like, oh my God, what is this? Mm-hmm. So I think, um, you know, instead of saying custom dimensions, you know, or we say metadata, I mean, to us, we understand that, but these smart people, they're just not exposed to the, to the things that we deal with day in, day out. So I think I always remind myself before the presentation and just to remember these smart people in front of you, clients, leads, uh, students, they don't know, they just, don't, they're not coming from that same space. So sort of make sure you, you slow down and define what these things mean and, 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 and then sort of they, they catch up with you. So that's, that's one tip I've heard somewhere and I applied it and it seemed to, to work well. <laughs> yeah, well, actually that sort of leads into actually what I wanted to ask about the book, Google Analytics Breakthrough. Um, it's fantastic. And now in the book, in the overview, you set the stage for empowering the practitioner to prepare for, as you say, your role as communicator and change agent. Analysis tends to have little organizational impact without clear and effective communication. Throughout the book, um, we offer insights on streamlined presentation of Google Analytics reporting to clients and stakeholders, as well as communication and collaboration between the marketing and IT departments for implementation initiatives. So I was wondering, in the same spirit of, you know, that relationship with the stakeholder and helping them understand. Can you take the listeners through some of the various ways that your book advises on this um, in in different capacities of the book? You know, Stephen Covey said, begin with ends in mind, right? So (laughs) um, again, we we have tendencies to jump into the weeds and and talk about maybe JavaScript and, and events and whatnot, which are important. But I think having that business discussion, starting with, you know, what's, what matters to the business most? So if you're speaking with a UX designer, it's a different conversation than if you're speaking to a demand generation manager, sure. if you're speaking to executives. So, so I think helping them, um, listening to, I think listening to the stakeholders and understanding their role, what matters to them most and along, especially for consultants, 
supposedly, you know, you've done this many, many times. They don't want to be sort of just presenting uh, information, but listening to where they're at and then adding maybe some best practices, walking them through what, what can be done and helping them put together maybe a, a roadmap on we're, we're here today, we're capturing visits and page views, and then we need to go to, to do more advanced tracking, revenue, conversion. We want to do things outside of Google Analytics, uh, connect um, with backend data to look at lifetime value. So, so I think listening to the stakeholders is very important, guiding that discussion and then um, where applicable, um, complementing, inserting, helping the stakeholder understand what can be done in analytics and the benefit of that, and then help them walk before they run. I think that's, <laughs> that's really important from a strategy perspective. Right. Yep. I, you know, I think a huge struggle that I hear over and over with my own training workshop students is how do I communicate the complexity of the work that I do to my managers? Do they care? Um, you know, they, they seem to ask the wrong questions. Like these are sorts of the commentary that I hear. So, you know, if a VP or manager is trying to understand, like, why is analytics important? That's a big one for my students is why this is so important. You know, what advice do you have for explaining it so they're not melting their brains uh, with too many technical details, I guess? Absolutely. And I think what it's important that, and, you know, they're, they're, we don't want to get into a debate whether whether analytics is easy or analytics is hard. <laughs> you know, analytics is a business process. There's some really, I think there's some easy wins, some things you can you can get people excited about very quickly. But especially with larger organizations, you're going to have multiple stakeholders. You're going to have uh, potentially um, some, some politics. I mean, but, yes. but but the idea is, I think, especially if you're addressing those in charge, the executive team or, or the, uh, the champion for, for analytics, I think helping them laying out, here's the landscape, here's what's involved. You can bring the top notch, you know, top notch consultants. It's not going to be enough. You need to also have resources. You need to also uh, get the buy-in from IT. You need to allow time for the stakeholders to really think about, about what matters to them most. You need to allow time, uh, you know, for people to go to training. Mm -hmm. So I think, um, aside from defining the segmentation requirements and the KPIs and the metrics and, and how we want to report inside GA and outside of GA, I mean, that's important. But I think laying out what's involved for the organization to go from where they're at today uh, and, you know, all, all the pieces, the strategy, the process, the people, and of course the technology, I think laying that out to those who control budgets and, and have an understanding of, of you know, what what's needed to to ensure there's a mature business process. I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. Instead of thinking of analytics as a sort of a transactional, in a transactional way, mm -hmm. as a project, it's really more of an ongoing effort. With, with, with low-hanging low fruits uh, that, that hopefully a smart, a smart you know, group of people can, can get to very quickly so they can have, uh, they, can, they can share that success and build on it and, and, and grow the practice. Sure. No, I, I think that makes perfect sense. And actually, some of the other struggles that I hear the most often from the workshop students is that even if they learn all of the best techniques for presenting data effectively, 
the management and stakeholders will insist on presenting the data the old way or the way that they're used to. And I've seen this in my experience as well. I, I think it's a lack of awareness that goes through to the top of the food chain about the principles of everything that Gar talks about in, in Presentation Zen and Stephen Few and Edward Tufte. So do you have any thoughts on how practitioners can start to elevate this conversation? They feel empowered to say, there is potentially a better way. Give me a shot. Sure. I think going back to the basic principles of conversion optimization, starting with the essential truth about conversion optimization, that if you currently have a 2% conversion rate for whatever your success metric is, whatever your goal is, or if you have a retail function, if you have a 2% e-commerce conversion rate, first of all, I think that is surprising at first to a lot of people in an organization. I think people even or especially at the C-level are surprised when they realize how low overall conversion rates are. But in that same mathematical truth lies the important opportunity of really gigantic improvements. If you have a 2% conversion rate, and you go to a 2.5% conversion rate, not that you could do that overnight, but with a focus on analytics, with a focus on optimization, many organizations can achieve a 2% to a 2.5% conversion rate for a given goal. That represents a 25% improvement, not a 0.5% improvement. Mm -hmm. So starting with that basic math is powerful and is something that I always try to emphasize in training, something that we tried to emphasize in the book just the real power of conversion optimization. And it's exciting when you achieve that. It's, ex it's exciting when you do drive that improvement. But that always isn't that obvious. If you say, well, 2% conversion rate, 2.2% conversion rate, what's the difference? <laughs> That's a 10% difference. And actually, it's even more than a 10% difference because as Brian Clifton illustrated in his great advanced web metrics with Google Analytics books, any incremental improvement is actually more, there's more margin in there than in the previous conversions because there's less overhead. So mm -hmm. if you go to it from a 2% conversion rate to a 2.5% conversion rate, that's actually not just a 25% improvement. It's even more than a 25% improvement because it's not going to cost you any more for air conditioning and Christmas party and everything else. Right. So I think starting from that, the fundamental power of conversion optimization, people tend to just focus on traffic and not on optimization. Mm -hmm. But Action. And even illustrating that what I do in as a presentation technique, what I do in training is I will actually start with a circle with a tiny piece of the pie written in red marker and then I'll extend that piece of the pie just with a tiny extra sliver in green marker and I'll say that represents a 25% mm -hmm. improvement to the bottom line achieved through your your digital properties. So I think starting with starting with that focus on conversion optimization is important and I also think that starting with a story. We have a great contribution in our book from Maida Brown. Mm -hmm. Yes. She has done some very, very popular 
seminars through the DAA on digit on storytelling for presenting your your data. And in the book, she tells a story of communicating bounce rate, communicating a problem with bounce rate on digital devices to an executive team. So instead of just presenting data with potentially too many metrics in it, you start with a story of an end user. And Meta's end user is Sunil. Sunil came to the website on a mobile device, had a bad experience, and left without purchasing. So that piece of data now is just not an abstract number, but it represents a degraded end user experience, an unsatisfactory end user experience that is directly impacting the, the company's success. So I also think that keeping the story more in mind, using data to, to tell stories, stories of what's working and what's not working, that I think is, pow- is powerful at any level and it's probably even more powerful as you move up within an organization and you're dealing with individuals who are keenly interested in success or lack thereof and how to, how to address that issue. So I think keeping, keeping the story element in mind is always powerful and can provide a lot of context to your audience and provide a lot of guidance on how you present the data to begin with. That's amazing advice. And I'm so glad that you brought up Meta because I actually attended that workshop in New York City some time ago. And it was so fascinating how everyone's instinct was to start with the numbers, um, this percentage, that group. And she really did force us to articulate the story of a customer, really illustrate them, flesh them out and make them relatable. And what I've started to do after taking that is creating that story about one customer that can be relatable and and create empathy from a stakeholder, but also to relate, then bring in the metric, like relate it to the volume of the population that this might be affecting. Like, you know, this could be affecting... This customer could be 25% of our customers, you know, things like that. And then it kind of represents the gravity of the situation. So that's something that's worked well for me. But um, I'm so glad you brought her up. <laughs> yes. And, and Leah, actually, along those lines as well, sometimes just your mentioning of the, the, the portion of, of, the, of your user base that it could be affecting. Sometimes there's the perception, Ferris referred to earlier, analytics is easy, analy- mm-hmm. analytics is hard. There's kind of the, the, the perpetual yin and yang of, <laughs> of analytics, but sometimes analytics does not have to be too difficult. Sometimes you can get quick wins from just focusing on some basic questions like how are our different device categories performing? How is tablet versus desktop versus mobile performing? And sometimes it's pretty amazing if you just go into, say, the device categories report, if you're using Google Analytics and you just pull down one conversion point, one goal, and you could sometimes see a really amazing difference in performance between the different device categories. And when you see that maybe 55% of your audience might be on smartphones at this point and they're converting at a much, much lower rate, in that case, 
you can potentially have a quick win. And the story there is a lot of your users are not having a good experience and you have to do something about it pronto. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, it definitely creates a sense of urgency, I think, when it's relatable uh, in that way. So I actually also noticed that the design of this book is super clean, um, really makes a use of simplicity. You have so many screenshots and examples. Can you talk a little bit about kind of the intentional visual aspect of the book and communicating to the reader? Well, we did put a lot of thought into the, the presentation of the, the book. We were able to work with Wiley to have the book in color to begin with, which we thought would be an important, not just visual enhancement, but important for learning. And if it isn't a visual enhancement, it is an enhancement for, for learning as well. We wanted to create an experience that was, it's technical. There's some very, very technical nuts and bolts, low level stuff in the book. There's a lot of high level stuff as well. But the book does not shy away from technical detail where we felt we needed we needed to go there. But we did want to make the experience fun, if we could say that as well as 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 fun and engaging as possible. Mm -hmm. And that means that we brought in a lot of graphics, uh, certainly lots of screenshots from Google Analytics, Google Tag Manager, other Mm -hmm. tools that we have in the book as well. Also, diagrams to illustrate complex topics such as you talk about the data layer in Google Tag Manager where we have a comprehensive but also pretty clean and streamlined diagram to show how Tag Manager interacts with the data layer, how you get data into the data layer to begin with, and how that ends up being passed into your analytics tool. And that is more efficient a more efficient way to communicate than just having five pages explaining Google Tag Manager and how it interacts with the with the data layer. And we also wanted to create something of a social experience within the book in that we were really fortunate to have a lot of great folks contribute to the book, our friends in the industry, mm-hmm. um, really cutting edge practitioners, uh, a few clients who we've, who we've worked with who are really doing some interesting things with mobile tracking, with CRM integration to measure lifetime value. So we were really fortunate in that regard. And we think that creates, or we hope that that creates a, an idea that everything that we do kind of as a, as a company and within the industry as, as a whole is about enabling each other. It's about communication. It's about, it's about growing. It's about learning and everyone is, is part of it. If you're in the, if you're in the industry, we, we feel that you're, you're part of the, the community and we, we want you to feel that you're part of the momentum in the analytics industry. And we certainly want to help you learn more, strive to use data to, to make better decisions and to, and to drive optimization. So we hope that having the contributors in the book fosters that idea that it really is a 
in some ways, it's a it's a it's a collective endeavor that we are all in together. Sure, I I saw some contributions from Jim Stern and Simo Ahava. Who are some of the other experts that were able to contribute to it? So yeah, we had let's see a, a, a really strong list. Long list we have. We had <laughs> Avinash for the book. So mm-hmm. uh, shout out to to Avinash. We had uh, Paul Murray, one of the co-founders of of Urchin Google Analytics. He's a mm-hmm. VP well now. We had um, Irv Shapiro from. Um, they just rebranded their company for phone tracking. Um, others, including you mentioned Jim's turn. Uh, we had Brian Clifton. Uh, we have also from um, Brian Eisenberg also contributed. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I think that's an amazing sampling <laughs> of expertise, and I love how collaborative that is from you know trusted experts around the industry. I, I thought that was great. And for, the, for those for those who are planning to on, on writing a book, yeah, that contributors it adds a uh, an element of practicality, people who are in the trenches doing this work, right? You get their perspective. It is, it does add a bit to the timeline, to the project management. You just, just be aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> Corralling cats. <laughs> I know it's a very busy industry. That's for sure. So thanks for talking about the book. I'm going to be sure to have a link to, uh, I guess, pre-order that for Amazon next month. And I actually wanted to switch topics. Uh, Ferris, you have extensive experience with Tableau from what I understand. And, you know, this is a tool that has totally permeated the digital analytics field. Can you speak a bit about the role you see Tableau play in enterprise communications with your different clients and when the implementation seems to be most effective? Absolutely. I think our, our starting a company today, I probably... <laughs> focus on data visualization. It's just, you know, there's, there's so much that, that you know, there's so much data, right? Not just Google Analytics data or, or Omnitra, you know, uh, Adobe data, but, you know, we're working on, on engagement for a client with 16 data sources. So just wow. a lot of data, right? So how do you, you know, how do you, how do you extract it? How do you transform it? How do you load it? All that, all that, nobody wants to talk about this. They just want to see the chart. That's <laughs> something that's that actionable, right? right? But there's a bit of work behind it. But, you know, Tableau specifically, I mean, you know, every, everywhere we go, people are using Tableau. So, so it, it is a widely adopted tool. I think you don't have to be very, very technical. Again, there, there is an element of, of setup, that whole ETL process. But it's, let's just put that aside. Once you have the data in Tableau, it's relatively easy to use. It's, it's, you know, with a bit of, a little bit of training, you can start creating charts. You can start creating dashboards. You can, you know, even automate. Um, some of the, those dashboards to, to have them, um, email to your stakeholders, you know, something, you know, putting that data in front of the people in the format they like, trended, you know, day over day, week over week with, with low, with low effort. So that automation mm-hmm. aspect is important. That's more of a back end function. But just, I think the ease of use and, and, you know, you can upload a, things as simple as a CSV or you can connect sure. to Google Analytics, a connector, you can connect to BigQuery, you can connect to, SQL database. So, so all of that is there, but I think that ease of use is, is that's why it's so widely adopted and accepted. Mm-hmm. Now, I've uh, an interesting trend that I've seen uh, with some of my clients is that people are actually presenting data from a dashboard live during stakeholder presentations. And I find this interesting because I know how easily it can be to get overwhelmed by too much information at once. Uh, that's something Gar 
talks about at length uh, in his book. And a dashboard, by definition, is all the information you need at once, <laughs> essentially. So do you have have you seen that in your own client experiences? What are your thoughts around that? Yes, we have. And actually, I was I was at a meeting in a, in a global brand, and and we're meeting with their BI and, and web analytics team. And actually, they, to, to your point, uh, Leah, they curate the, the data. They 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 don't give access. Uh, this might sound too controlling, but I think there's 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 a benefit. They create the data. They present. They they uh, have the dashboards, uh, a number of, of dashboards for the various stakeholders, all within the company intranet. And then they give people access to it. So, <laughs> and you know, there, there, there are specific KPIs, specific segments that everybody agreed to look at. And then it's available to you. It's in the cloud. Um, you can log in and then access what you need. Mm-hmm. You don't have to check with anyone. You don't have to ask for the report. It's there for you. So I think for those who just want to look at things like they, you know, first day of the week or you know, week over week, I think that that serves a very good purpose for that audience. And of course you have the power users who are just going to go into the, into the UI itself, or they're going to go into maybe BigQuery, or they want to go into their own, you know, data warehouse and do things and pull that into 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 Tableau. So I think there are different audiences. I think for the for the set of audience where they're looking for a standard set of reports and then charts, you know, I think I think that works really well. Where you have you've agreed with them on what they want to look at, on the trending, on the the the, the metrics, the you know, the KPIs, the the, the type of the way you want to slice and dice the data, what segments and whatnot, and then have that avail- readily available. I think it it works well again for for that for that use case. Got it. Oh, that's that's great to know. And I mean, I've had fairly extensive experience with Tableau and have found it very useful for creating views quickly that you know otherwise might be more difficult. And also for walking people through during a data presentation where exploring the backend data adds to the presentation. So it's not such a canned output, so to speak. Right. And, and, and that interactive aspect of it, for example, let's say you're looking at, at you're looking at geographies or you're looking at maybe your, um, your user visitor segments, your members versus non-members, or maybe if let's say you're, let's say you're American Airlines and, and you have your different, um, um, frequent flyer membership levels, you know, if you have that filter built in when you edit and create the dashboard or the chart, and then when you export it to, let's say the read only version of Tableau, which is a free, you can download the, the Tableau reader. Those filters are still there. So you can see mm-hmm. your chart, the nice charts, and you've done, done all the, you've, you've listened to, to, to Leah and you've, you've, you've done all the best practices. Uh, and then, and then you can interact with this, even in the read only edition of Tableau. And I think that's, that's very, very uh, powerful to the, to the, mm-hmm. to the end, you know, to the end user. Yeah, absolutely. So gentlemen, I call the next segment, the upgrade, which is a power tip for PowerPoint, Excel, Google analytics, other tools that we use in our trade to do our job better. So since you are GA rock stars, do you have anything fun and useful for us? My tip is, is related to the real-time reports, which can be interesting for presentation. You don't generally use the real-time reports for analysis. Of course, you use the real-time reports for validation and for presenting. But sometimes a challenge within the real-time reports is isolating your own session within a real-time report. Mm. So a way that you can do that to 
demonstrate what you are doing and know that it is you either for presentation or for validation is to add a dummy query parameter to the to your URL. So if you are on mysite.com, for instance, Leah, you could say mysite.com question mark test equals Leah or test equals test any name value pair at the end of the URL. Mm-hmm. Then you go into the real-time content reports. You click on that URL and then that becomes a filter within the real-time report. So that means if oh. you generate an event, if you complete a goal, you know that you are the one who is generating that event or completing that goal. So that can be good both for validation and for presentation. And you could actually also do the same thing with dummy campaign parameters. So Mm -hmm. you could put question mark UTM medium equals test, UTM source equals test, UTM campaign equals test, and then filter yourself down in the real-time sources report. And it is also interesting to note that once you drill down into the real-time report, whatever you've drilled down to does become a filter for the other real-time reports that you are looking at. So that's, a, a I think, a, a neat tip for folks to know. That's fantastic. And I guess as long as that particular parameter isn't defined anywhere else on the site where it might get replaced with something, it's just completely unique to that, um, to that testing, then they should be fine. That's right. And you will, you will have to tolerate one URL in your Google yes. Analytics data that, that is not real. That's unless, right. Unless you have your internal traffic filtered out anyway, and then it wouldn't show up in your main view. Right. Oh, that's a great tip. <laughs> Thank you. So uh, we've come to our final question. So think hard. Imagine this very plausible scenario. Eric, you're at the Broadcast Meteorology Conference and Ferris, you're competing in the Aikido World Championship when you both trip and fall through a rip in time and you're brought back to the moment you're about to give your first presentation. What would today you say to then you? Eric? I would go back to the less is more (laughs) theme and also talk less and show more. Not show more in terms of overwhelming folks, but show more of the right things, illustrate as much visually and depend less on verbiage. Mm-hmm. That's good. Ferris? Yeah, you know, don't put your audience to sleep. You know, and, I, I, <laughs> and I did that. You know, when we started the business, I, I didn't know how to sell. So I had to go and go through the sales training. And the guy said, the trainer said, you know, there's 25 questions you should ask. And I took it literally. So I had this presentation. I was going with this one lead, this high tech company, one of our first launch leads we were talking to. And I was going through this slide by slide by slide. And then I looked back and the guy is snoozing. So, so from that day, I learned that it's not about asking the questions. It's sort of, in, you know, I think reading the audience and it's harder at a larger setting if you're speaking at a conference. But I think, yes, you prepare and you have your slides and you have, you have your sort of talking points. But also, I think sometimes you have to be on sort of un, quick on your feet. And, and if, if the audience is not interacting, you got to do something about it. And I think understanding the audience and it's, I think in a smaller setting, it's really easy to to catch and react to uh, even even on sales, call, on sales calls uh, or on, on consulting calls or you know, presenting to your uh, to, to your managers. The goal is not to complete that presentation. The goal is to <laughs> message across, uh, persuade someone to do something good, you know, good for the greater cause. It's not just, you know, we're not just here to let me finish those, you know, 20 slides. 
So that's, uh, that's one thing that I would definitely <laughs> want to remind myself of all the time. I think that's such a great point because from what I've observed, many analytics presentations seem like a race to just get to the end and get out of there instead of the opportunity recognizing as an opportunity for a real dialogue with these people that are very important to your career. And I see sort of an invisible wall go up almost where some presenters aren't really speaking to the audience. And I agree reading them, like taking minutes to really look around, engage their level of engagement, um, change strategies if you need to, I think is such a great skill to focus on if you agree. Yep, I agree. And comes with practice and I'm still learning. <laughs> yes, we all are. <laughs> well, guys, unfortunately, we've run out of time. Uh, thank you so much. And please tell the listeners where they can keep up with you and, um, you know, when the book's coming out, when they can look out for that. You can stay connected with the entire Emore team and the content that the whole team produces at Emore. Dot com, that's e-nor.com and specifically our blog and you can sign up for for updates and the book should be available in print on September 19th. Anything else, Ferris? No. Uh, and we do uh, check our blog as, as we mentioned earlier and we'll be uh, have a question just send it our way. We love to help. We love, we love to share with the community. We've learned a lot from a lot of, a lot of the, those who, who, who came before us and they're still with us. And, and also, also uh, from our, actually, I want to say this at the, the very end of, of this podcast to our colleague, a co-author who's no longer with us, our yes. co-founder, Shiraz Asif. He's, he's tremendous um, help in, in producing the book and also in building this company. So we, uh, we learned uh, from, and we've, a lot of, lot of, um, um, a lot of people helped us along the way, and we're here to help as well. Yes, that that was an incredibly sad story, and um, I know that's a huge blow to the analytics industry and to Enor as well. So, I appreciate uh, your giving him <laughs> acknowledgement here. Thank you. He's smiling and very happy that the book, the book is about to be published. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> that's right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been such a pleasure having both of you, and I'm so excited for the actual book to come out. Um, and I look forward to running into you at one of hopefully many <laughs> analytics conferences to come. Likewise. Thank you so much, Leah. Appreciate it. Thank you, Leah. This has been great. Thank you very much. Wow, it's so great to finally meet the guys behind a company that has produced so much content to help grow my career and those of so many others. So if you haven't checked out the Enor blog yet, I highly recommend it. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Present Beyond Measure show. If you've liked what you've heard, please hop on over to iTunes to subscribe, leave a rating and review. Ratings and reviews are so appreciated because they affect the rankings of the show and they let me know that I'm on the right track for you. And I'll be reading out my favorite ones on future episodes. To catch all of the resources and links and the book on this episode, visit leahpika.com slash 022 and you'll get everything you need. And I would love if you could leave me a comment or a suggestion because I want to hear about the challenges that you face when presenting information, doing data visualizations effectively, and anything else you'd like me to talk about here. 
Or you can tweet me a question for the show by including my Twitter handle, which is at Leah Pika, and including the hashtag PBM, as in present beyond measure. And if you or your team is ready to take your analytics presenting skills to a whole new level, book me for a private workshop, which is my entire toolbox for creating presentations with lasting impact. You can find out more details about that at leahpika.com slash workshop. And today's presentation inspiration is from W. Edwards Deming, which is... Without data, you're just another person with an opinion. You really can't get any better than that. (laughs) Anyway, that's all for today. Namaste. And that's a wrap. Eric, you go first. (laughs) This one is yours. Okay. Edit that out. I always have my phone off. <laughs> what? Where did where did these guys come from? <laughs> no, not at all. Sometimes he jokes, says it's like Ferris Bueller. <laughs> okay. Not to worry, I don't vanish or 